Hey, welcome to Fathering Our Future, the podcast for dads. I'm Anthony Vandegrift, and I'm not the perfect dad, but every day I am trying to be better. Now, today's going to be a little bit different. I'm not going to talk to you directly about fatherhood, but I do want to talk about something that indirectly has an incredibly huge influence on who you are as a father and your ability and capacity to lead, serve, and support your children and your home. I'm going to talk to you today about marriage. I want to talk to you about your relationship with your wife. Let me go ahead and say this at the very outset. If you're listening to this and for whatever reason you're not married, whether it be divorce or whether it be because there was a tragic incident and your wife passed, you can still be a great dad as a solo act. I just pray that you have a community of dads, friends, and family around you to support you and aid you on this journey of fatherhood because it's not easy. Even parenting with a spouse, it's not easy. It takes a lot of work. So prayers your way, but know that you can still do a great job. But I want to talk to the fathers like myself who are married because in this instance, we are privileged. We are blessed and we are favored by God because we have been given this gift from God. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. God has given us a good thing. And I want you to be a great steward of this good thing that you have. I want you to see value and purpose in your relationship with your wife and have a desire to nurture and to grow that. Because your marriage serves as this illuminating example to your children. Your kids can learn so much from your relationship with your wife. Your marriage is the greatest example that your kids will have of things like love and patience and peace and kindness and so many other wonderful attributes. They'll learn things from you. Sure, you can teach them a thing or two. But by observing you with your wife, by seeing how you talk to their mom, by seeing the way that you treat her, the way that you love her, by watching you and your wife live out life together, they're going to learn so much, so much more from just watching a healthy, growing marriage. So this is a wonderful gift that you can also give to your children, but you have to understand it. You have to understand marriage from God's point of view, because we have this really really diluted cultural surface level understanding of what marriage is. We grow up, and we think girls are pretty, and we find one that we really like, and we ask her to marry us, and we get a marriage license. It gets written down and recorded in the courthouse, and people are there. Well, we say, I do. We have sex. We live under the same roof, and we do stuff together. We're married. Oh, and we wear a ring, and that, that just that does it. Now, those things are good, but that's not really what it is to be married. And this is what I want us to understand, because when we really understand something, it gives us a reason to want to pursue it further. When you start to grasp what something is, you get this interest and this curiosity. You have now this new source of a reason to go a little bit further, to learn a little something more. And that's what I hope you achieve out of this. Because for me, when I actually grasp what the Bible was saying about marriage— it did change my perspective on it. And yeah, I want to learn a little bit more. And yes, I see the value of marriage in a much 
greater way than I did when I actually got married. So let's get to God's definition and design of marriage, because he did create the institution. So in the very beginning, in Genesis, God makes man, and Adam is helping God out. God says, I want you to name the various animals, and Adam does the job. But Adam looks at the at the creation of God, and he doesn't find anyone compatible to be his companion. So God causes a great sleep to fall on Adam, and from Adam he takes a rib, and from that rib he makes a woman. And when Adam lays eyes on her, I don't know if it's just because she was naked or what it was, <laughs> but when he lays eyes on hers, he, he realized, that's, that's mine. That's the one that I'm supposed to be with. Now, the Bible says it's for this cause, because of this, because God took something out of man and from that made woman, that it's for this cause that a man leaves his mom and his dad, cleaves to his wife, and the two of them become one. That's the idea, because out of man something was taken away. And the design is for that which was taken away and turned into woman to come back together, to be reunited, to now function as one. When you come together with your wife and you operate as a united entity, you are now in the design of God. This is what God intended when he created marriage, for us to come together and be as one. Now, if you thought you were great before you got married, newsflash, now you're actually whole. Now you have the capacity to be everything that God's created you to be. You've morphed into something beyond just yourself. You're married. You and your wife have come together. And this is the idea that you function as one, that you do things as one, that you're not separate, that you don't have separate bank accounts because she does this and I do this and we don't care what each other does. It's just I make my money and she makes hers and and we do our thing. That, that's not the intent. The idea is that you are one, that you are working together in partnership and you are tackling life as a unit. This is what marriage is is. The Apostle Paul elaborates on this in the book of Ephesians chapter number five. Great read if you uh, have some time. I would highly recommend it, but let's start first with verse 25, because I do, I do want to share a point kind of outside of this. This is the verse that we typically land on when we talk about this. It says, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Now, this is a tall order. This is much higher than wives submit yourself to your husbands. This is a much greater task, to love our wives in the same capacity and magnitude as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Now, here's the thing. We are macho. We are strong. We like to do hard things. There are moments I guess it's hormones and just who I am, and I know it's not just me. You know exactly what I'm going to say is true for yourself, too. There's just moments throughout the day sometimes you just want to break a sweat. You just want to lift something heavy. You just you want to do something physical. You want to work with your hands. You know what I mean? I don't think that whole toxic masculinity thing has any value to it. We need to be tough. We're designed to be tough. But what Paul's asking us to do is to redirect that toughness 
into the same avenue that Christ directed his. Because he was a man too. He was a tough guy. But he did something that all the tough guys before him were not willing to do. Here's the interesting thing. You go through the prophets in the Old Testament, and they all talk about this mighty arm of God that would come to bring redemption. They talk about this king, this warrior, this savior who would come. This lion of the tribe of Judah, as it's put. Now, John writes about this in the book of Revelation. And he says that an angel spoke up and said, Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah has come. And John turned to look and see this lion. But what he saw was a lamb that looked like it had been slain. Now, this was symbolic of Christ. Christ being willing to go on the cross, to be beaten, to be made unrecognizable as a man. What we're called to as husbands is to be strong enough, courageous enough, and bold enough to become that lamb, to not just be this big, tough, alpha lion, but to be willing to lay ourselves down, to present ourselves instead of as a lion, as a lamb for the benefit of our wife, that we will serve her and love her and give ourselves for her. It's not just about protecting it's not just about keeping her safe. It's about giving yourself for her benefit in the same way that Christ gave himself for our benefit. That's what we do. So how do you give yourself so that your wife benefits? This is what you need to ask yourself. This is what I need to ask myself, and this is what we need to do. We need to be strong enough and courageous enough and bold enough to be willing to give ourselves away for the benefit of our spouse. Now, the other thing that I want to point out is in verse number 28, Ephesians chapter 5. It says, in this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. And that is because out of the body of man, something was taken away, and that became woman. And when you become married, that which was removed is joined together again. So the way that you treat your wife is the way that you treat yourself. And now you might think, no, I don't, I don't treat my wife the way that I treat myself. You probably do, but even if you don't, everyone else around you is going to have this idea. If when you're out with the guys, you trash talk your wife, well, you're really trash talking yourself. I mean, you're the one who said, yep, I'm going to be one. You and I, we're the same. Let's come together. Let's unite. So when you trash talk and degrade and belittle your wife, you are trash talking and degrading and belittling yourself. You treat your wife the way that you treat yourself because how you treat your wife is how you treat yourself, because your wife is now a part of you. You are one. As a Christian husband, as a Christian father, the way you treat your wife is the way you were treating yourself, because your wife is not a distinct person in some partnership. She is one with you. You are a unit. 
You are a new entity, and you have a oneness about yourself. You and your wife come together, and you become one. So the way that you treat her is the way that you treat yourself. Now, I want you to value your relationship with your wife. I want you to think that it is so important, and this is how it should be. I had Bishop D.G. Hargrove on a long time ago on the podcast. I need to get him back on here, but he talked about, even as a pastor of a church, he says, when I wake up every morning, I pray this prayer, God first, make me a better Christian. So the first emphasis is the relationship with God. The second one is, God, make me a better husband. And third is, make me a better father. Now, this is something that can be difficult to wrap our heads around. Our wife comes before the kids. And I know that that can get a little polluted at times, especially when the kids are young and they really need you, or even when the kids grow up and they deal with peer pressure and they have their own issues during the developmental process of life and adolescence, and there are going to be moments where they really need you to be hands-on with them, and when you're giving so much to them and you feel like you have nothing left to give to your wife, it can create some tension. You've got to remember, you've got to remember that, yes, you pour into your kids, but you're called to give yourself entirely for your wife. That's the relationship hierarchy. God, then your wife, and then your kids. Now, I do want to stress, you got to make sure you keep God first, because we're supposed to love God and then love our neighbor. Now, the Bible says you love your neighbor as yourself, but you don't really know how to love yourself until you love God. Once you have a loving relationship with God and you see how God loves you, you actually learn how to have a loving relationship. This is why God has to come first, because you will not actually know what love is. You won't actually know how to express love the right way. You won't actually know what a loving relationship looks like to even mimic with someone else until you have that loving relationship with God. So make sure that you are mindful of that and that you follow that hierarchy, that your first and foremost focus in relationship is God. And second comes your wife, and third comes your kids. And then whatever else you are after that, you tag it on at the end. But God, then your wife, and then your kids. And let me just caution you of this. Don't ever think and don't ever say, well, my relationship with God is so important that I'm going to give all my time to that. If you give all your time to God and you neglect your wife and you neglect your kids, you're not actually giving time to God. You're using God as a scapegoat and as an excuse to be selfish and to avoid responsibility and to run away from who you're designed to be. God should never be your excuse. If you have to do so much ministry and you have to have so much time with God that you're never with your wife, that you're never with your kids, you're not actually with God. Newsflash. You're not. Because you are called to serve. You are designed to be a part of this union, marriage, and the role of fatherhood. That's a part of your identity. And if you're not embracing that, you're created in his image. So what are you actually portraying? If you're not being the husband that you're designed to be, the father that you're designed to be, you're not really portraying the image of the one that you claim to be serving so much. Just remember that. God comes first, but God does not become an excuse to not serve your wife and then your children. Now, I want you to understand these things because you have to take this. You have to dwell on it. You have to 
toss it around in your head, and then determine how you act and respond to this information. This is what I think is vital for us to have. That's the understanding. To understand the biblical design and God's understanding of marriage. If you've got that, it's up to you to determine the next step. Where do I take it from here? What do I do next? How do I treat her? How do I nurture this relationship? How do we continue to build a home that's based on the values of God? You have to take this and you have to figure this out because your life looks a lot different than mine. And you've got to remember that. That's why you should never listen to the do this one, two, three step exactly these ways, and this will be the exact outcome if you'll do this. Because with, th- with things like marriage, that doesn't work. It might be good, it might be beneficial, but you're not always going to get that guaranteed outcome. Nobody can guarantee that. Nobody can promise that. But you can do a lot of good for yourself if you actually work to gain understanding from God's perspective. And then having that understanding, having this new reason to pursue it that much further, to grow this relationship, to nurture your marriage, and to allow it to become this beacon of hope and love and knowledge for your children. Again, it's not directly dealing with you as a dad, but indirectly, it's pretty significant. So focus on your marriage. Now, while you're listening to this, I have to let you know on a little secret here. Uh, I'm actually on a cruise ship, just me and my wife. Now, obviously, I'm not right here, but I'm pre-recording this so that I could be on the cruise ship and you could still hear something from me, but I'm long gone. I'm with my wife. It's just the two of us. And I promise you this, we're having a wonderful time together. And yes, we want to come back and see your kids, but you know, we're having a great time. Anyway, make sure you treat your wife special. Make sure you get away. Make sure, yes, you gotta love your kids, but remember she comes first. So make sure you have some alone time with her, not just when the kids go to bed, but maybe over a weekend. Maybe take a little trip. Maybe get away for a day, but have some time where it's just you and her. You can't let flames go out. You're just constantly supposed to be building a greater and larger fire. So nurture your relationship, build it, value it, and pursue it further. And it will help you as a father in a really great way. This is Father in Our Future, the podcast for dads. I'm Anthony Vandegrift. Thank you so much for being with me. Well, not on the cruise ship, but you know what I mean. And I hope you'll join me next time.